It always feels like somebody's watching me, and I got no privacy. Whoa. Now, about six of you in this room would know that song. It's a song that was very popular in 1984. The rest of you have never heard it. That's fine. It doesn't really matter if you know it or not. What's important is that that song is true, at least according to my friend, Damo. Um, about a year ago, Damo, who most of you will know, was up here on this very platform, right where I'm, well, probably more like pacing over here somewhere as he was talking. And uh, he told a story. He was, he was giving a sermon. He used this illustration in, in this sermon. So he was telling this story about how he was talking about this really obscure subject with his friend on the car ride home. Then when they got home, they both got on their phones or devices or whatever. And then all of a sudden... Um, that topic that they were talking about started appearing. They got like Facebook ads or emails about this really obscure thing, which led Damo to the conclusion that his phone was listening to their conversation without his permission and feeding back this information. And I remember hearing Damo recall this story, and I thought, surely that's not the case. Surely that can't be true. I mean, yeah, maybe if I type stuff in, I search for it, then it'll come. But that, that can't be the case. I mean, Apple and Facebook even last year reported that they do not listen to you or watch you without your permission. Dylan, can you flick that slide on the screen? Right there. Facebook said it wasn't listening to your conversations. It was. Um, so I thought this surely can't be true. But Damo is a guy I know who speaks the truth. I mean, he's a top bloke, I think. So I recently decided to put his crazy conspiracy theory to the test. Uh, over the last week, um, whenever I've been on my computer or um, around my phone, I just have it out, I've decided to sneak a word in. Uh, I've done this when no one else is around, so I don't look like a crazy person. Um, and without using Siri or typing anything into my phone um, or searching for anything over the Internet, I've just been saying the most obscure, random thing I can think about. Uh, a word, the word I've been using is the word Turkmenistan. <laughs> now, if you don't know anything about Turkmenistan, either do I. Uh, I've never once read anything about this place. Um, I've never seen ads for vacations there. I don't know exactly what it is that they eat there, what language they speak. It's never been on my radar. It's never been on anyone's radar, even the people who live there. They don't even know anything about that place. Um, but la for the last week or so, I've been walking around my house just saying, Turkmenistan. Turkmenistan. I'd really like to go to Turkmenistan. I wonder how much flights cost to Turkmenistan. I've even said this so much, I invented a song about it. I really want to go to Turkmenistan. I'll get there anyway. I can and land by boat or train or plane or minivan. I love you, Turkmenistanistan. <laughs> now, I'd say this, and then immediately I'd get on my phone, I'd get on Facebook, and I'd check, and I'd see if anything had popped up. I was desperate. Uh, and you know what I found? Absolutely nothing. Um, no advertisements on Turkmenistan. No, would you believe they do this in Turkmenistan clickbait? Like, nothing. Nothing happened. And I was actually really sad. Like, I was, I was really sad. I, I would walk around talking about Turkmenistan, and then I'd get on the interwebs right away, hoping that someone heard me, that someone was there, someone was listening. But it didn't happen. And I was really upset. I mean, I just wanted someone to be on the other end. And I was really sad. Until. 
until, just when I thought I was about to give up hope, uh, I logged on to my YouTube account a few days ago. Dylan, can you put this slide up? And there, right next to the video about Pokemon and Star Wars and soccer, oh, you can't see it, it's really blurry, but it says Turkmenistan, right there. There's a video about Turkmenistan, some travel blog about some guy going to Turkmenistan. And I thought, it is true, it's true. You and I are watched every minute of the day. Someone is interested in you. You are extremely popular. Someone or something wants to provide you with every one of your heart's desires. Someone wants you to live your best life possible. And sure, it may be some artificial intelligence. It might be some government nerd in his mom's basement. It might be the Russians. But you and I are heard and known. And someone and or something wants you and I to be happy by directing targeted marketing to fulfill your every wish. Doesn't that fill you with excitement? I know it does for me, right? It makes me so excited. Uh, I can't believe someone cares about me that much to listen to my random conversations about Turkmenistan. But then, I watched that video on Turkmenistan, and it was informative. I never knew anything about that country. I learned some stuff, but then the video was over, and that was it. Nothing else popped up. No one else offered me anything cool about Turkmenistan. And I was waiting to see some other message, some other hope, something else. And there wasn't anything there. And this is the world that we live in. A world where it feels like somebody's watching me, where I got no privacy. Whoa. A world where I can find anything I want with only a click. A world where we are more connected to others uh, than at any other time in human history. And yet... We are lonelier, more anxious, more depressed, more medicated, less patient, more in need of instant gratification, less content, more hurried. We have less time and feel less known than ever. Um, Isaiah puts it this way in Isaiah chapter 59. He says this is going to appear on the screen. He says that um, we look for light. But all we find is darkness. For brightness, but we walk in deep shadows. We look for justice, but find none. For deliverance, but it is far away. In other words, that we're all searching for something. We're all hoping that someone is on the other end listening, going to provide us something, but really we're kind of just grasping in the dark. Many even videos of Turkmenistan or whatever, they're not going to... Give you what you want, ultimately. If that's the case, we're, we live in a world where we are watched and monitored and fed things to make us happy, and yet we still feel alone and desperate and rushed and stressed. What is the solution? What do we do about it? I had a professor at uni who became a mentor of mine. His name was Gerald Wilson, or G-Dub, as I called him for short. He hated it, but I called him that anyway. Um, he was a professor of Hebrew in the Old Testament at the Christian university that I attended. Uh, and this man oozed everything that I came to associate um, as a person who's after God's own heart. Um, the way that he treated his students, the way that he prayed, the calmness and peace that he exuded. Um, and the more uh, time I spent with him, both in class and we often caught up for, uh, for coffee afterward, 
Um, I heard more of his story, a story filled with um, exceedingly high highs and tragic loss. And yet, uh, his exuberance for Christ and the work of Jesus through his life resonated through every conversation. Um, He was the kind of man that you would walk away from and feel like you've been encouraged, that you've been listened to, that you've been loved, like you had just hung out with Jesus himself. And I always wondered how this, how this came to be for him. Why in a busy, hurried, anxious world, in the world that I was living in as a uni student where I was just like completely freaked out about what was going on and what my future was going to be like and how I was going to get this exam done and everything, how could this man could smile uh, and uh, live in the truth and breathe and just be? Well, my answer came in the last class that I ever had with him. Uh, it was a class that w- looked at the book of Psalms in the Hebrew language. And day one of this class, he had us open up to Psalm chapter 1. Uh, if you have your Bibles open and you want to turn back to Psalm 1, even though it was read for us earlier, he, this is what he read. He had us uh, turn to this in our Hebrew Bibles, and as we were all kind of confused trying to find Psalm 1 in Hebrew with no English in it, um, he just started reading it, well, speaking it out loud with no no Bible in his hands, nothing, just from memory, in Hebrew. And this is what he said, translated into English. Have a look. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of Yahweh, that's the Lord there, Yahweh, who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. This psalm stands as the prologue or introduction to the entire book of Psalms. And it's placed here because it frames uh, what the whole uh, book of this, this whole collection of songs and poems is all about. That if we make God and his word the thing that we saturate ourselves in, we are like a tree planted by streams of water. That no matter what uh, happens, no matter what heartache or craziness or busyness or excitement or tragedy comes our way, we will be solid, firm, in constantly being replenished and filled up. At this point, with kindness in his eyes, G-Dub turns to us and asks, Does this describe your life? Are you firmly planted, producing fruit? intimately indwelt with the presence of God because your delight is in knowing God more and more? Do you meditate on God's revealed truth day and night? Do you, or do you find yourself adrift, worried, desperate, fearful, rushed, turning to something else to catch your attention or to pass the time? Well, for the next few weeks, we then journeyed through um, the whole book of Psalms. Uh, We studied these incredible poems of trust and faith in a God who is there. And we learned to cry alongside those writers uh, who, though they could not see God in the struggle that they were in, had this unwavering confidence that God is there and would act. We read about people who could say this about God from Psalm 84. It's going to appear on the screen. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh cry out for you, the living God. 
Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. And G.W. asks, what brings someone to write such profound things about a relationship they have like that? Then we read songs like Psalm 88, which is a lament with nothing good in it. Um, The last line of it reads, you can read the whole thing later, it's pretty depressing. The last line of it reads, you, talking to God, you have taken from me friend and neighbor. Darkness is my closest friend. That's not very happy, is it? And G-Dub told us, after we studied this psalm, about when he lost a child. Uh, He told us about his struggle with a lifelong disease. He told us about him crying out, just like this person, time and time again, and yet feeling that God is absent. And he asked us, is there a time that you feel like that? Has there ever been a time where you felt God was just didn't care? But then... He told us to flip the page, that we should be a people that soak ourselves in God's word. So Psalm 89, the very next psalm, begins by saying this, I will sing of the Lord's great love forever. With my mouth, I will make your faithfulness known through all generations. And he asked us why Psalm 88 would ever be juxtaposed with Psalm 89. Why is that? How can these two things stand side by side? Despair and praise. What does this do to you as you read God's word this way? Then on the last day of class, he drew our attention to the last five um, psalms, Psalms 146 to 150. And he told us that psalms are a unique collection of writing in the Bible because Psalms is the only, it's a collection of books. It's not just one book. It's a collection of 150 different books or stories or songs that were written <coughs> by multiple authors at different periods of history going through the whole range of emotions that you could go through. And over the centuries, um, God's people collected these deeply personal, joyful, and painful confessions and songs and cries because they recognized there was something special about them. And at some point in history, um, some faithful people arranged them all together into the collection that we have today. But they didn't do this randomly. They didn't just pick psalms and just throw them in any random order and then say, here you go. They placed them into five sections or books, uh, just like the five books of the law. And there uh, is a movement that happens when you read through these psalms. And at the very end of it, at the very end of all this stuff that you read and this movement that's happening and this joy and highs and lows that you're feeling, at the very end, it ends with these five psalms that begin and end with the same word in Hebrew. It's the word hallelujah, um, which means praise Yahweh or praise the Lord. And G-Dub said that these words are here because at the end of the day, no matter what we've been through, no matter how hard life has been, no matter how worried or in despair or happy or content or sad or mad you may be, what songs or cries or psalms that have come before, the final word of it all is hallelujah. God will be praised. The psalms which were originally man's words and cries to God, somehow then become God's words back to us. That your story will not end in shame or depression or failure, 
but praise. God takes it all, all that you and I could possibly go through, and he holds us tight. And your final word, like these writers of old, will be hallelujah, praise the Lord. It's a song all creation will be singing together on that final day. And as he said this, as he told uh, us sitting in his class about this and how a, a book of the Bible got constructed, which he wouldn't think would be very interesting, Gerald Wilson wept. He wept. But not tears of sadness, but overwhelming joy. Because he knew that though he lived through the death of a child, uh, though his, um, his other son was currently walking away from God, through this debilitating disease that he had suffered through for many years, through other things, being burned by a church community when he was younger, through financial hardship that he's been through, through all these different things that he's experienced in his life, he wept because he said the first thing he's going to hear when he comes into God's rest is hallelujah, praise the Lord. And for him, that was enough. And as I saw his tears, I saw this deep love for God, um, and uh, I recall these words that we read all these weeks ago in Psalm 1. Uh, I saw in front of me a man who delighted himself with God's word. He knew God's peace because he knew God. He meditated on this book day and night. Its words were his words. Its promises were his promises. And he could recite. He knew this thing so well. He could recite any psalm from memory because these ancient truths were his truths. The life of Jesus was reflected in his own life because he was a man who saturated himself in God's word because his one greatest desire was to know God more. You see, you are watched every minute of every day. Someone is interested in you. You are extremely popular. Someone or something wants to provide you with every one of your heart's desires. Someone wants you to live your best life possible, but as much clickbait as I view, or as many vacations to Turkmenistan as I might take, as many things as I might buy that have been personally tailored to my wants and needs, Mark Zuckerberg, the Ukraine, or the guy who calls himself Max at the IT data collection center in Taiwan, or Google AI, or fake news that lines up with my political preferences, are not that someone. They're not. So why would I be spending my time stuck to devices like this instead of listening to someone who actually knows me and cares for me. So who is that person? Well, in Matthew chapter 4, Jesus begins his public ministry, and Matthew says something very interesting uh, about when this happens. Remember how we started off this, uh, this sermon by looking at Isaiah chapter 59 that says all of us are walking around in darkness. We're searching for brightness, but all we find are shadows. Uh, the When Jesus shows up, Matthew says this about Jesus. The people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. The promise here is that in Jesus, you and I will no longer hunger or thirst. You and I will no longer have to grope about in the dark to be known, to find what we're looking for, uh, to experience peace and forgiveness. It's all there in Jesus. And throughout history, the people who are the most patient, who are the most kind, who are the least stressed, the ones who could look their enemies in their face and offer them love in return, 
The ones who face hardship but consider it pure joy are the ones who spend their time knowing the one who knows them by being soaked in this God's word, who cannot help but saturate themselves in God's word because they know that this is where God is found. And I truly think that one of the most obvious solutions to our pain, our stress, our busyness, our desire to be known, by, is um, by being people who read and memorize and study and sing and pray and remember and recite God's word. To make it a priority instead of just an afterthought. I hope I can get to it sometime. And that is what I want to find myself doing. And I'd like to invite you to join me, because I realize this is an area that I need help in. It's easy to find myself watching Netflix at the end of the day. It's easy to check my Facebook or email or Instagram eight million times during the day, because maybe someone is going to offer me something. But if this is the truth, that God is the one who finds me extremely popular, who loves me, who wants to offer me my best life, maybe I need to be a person soaked in God's word, but I need your help. And I want to invite you to join me. Uh, recently, I came across an app called Read Scripture. It's really difficult to remember, Read Scripture. Um, Dylan, can you put that slide on the screen? This is what the website looks like. It's pretty complex, hard to understand. Um, it was made, this app was made by the same people uh, who created the Bible Project. All those really cool videos that explain God's Word and theology and different things. Uh, essentially, what this app is is it's, uh, it's read through your Bible in a year. But uh, each day, there are not only readings, but videos from the Bible Project to help you understand the passage that you're reading on a deeper level. And each day also has little notes that will tell you to stop and uh, pray and reflect and meditate on what you've just read. And I'm going to start um, using this app tomorrow. Uh, and by doing so, I'm beginning the process of enmeshing myself with God's word, the one who really sees me and knows me and offers me life. And I'm excited to see what will happen in me and to me as I do this. So my question for you is, will you join me? If so, get on your phone right now and download the app. Like, you can do it right now. I won't be offended that you're checking your phone instead of listening to me. Like, you can do it. No one's going to judge you for looking at your phone in church. You can just get on, type in, read scripture into whatever device that you use. You can download it. It's there on your phone, and you can go through it at your own pace. Even though it's read the Bible in a year and it will have reminders and stuff, you can do it. Like, if you miss a day or whatever, just keep going. Keep going. Uh, and to help us keep going, I've also started a WhatsApp chat group for those interested in connecting with each other and to talk about what we've learned or what Jesus has been doing in us or questions that you may have. Dylan, can you flash that next one on the screen? <coughs> If you want to type this all in, you can go ahead, or you can, uh, you can take a screenshot, or better, I'm going to send it out um, through to your emails and on the Facebook webpage uh, tomorrow. If you want to uh, join in or come talk to me, and I'll add you to the group. Um, essentially, I'd love for us to do this together, and I find it really helpful when other people are reading the same stuff that I'm reading and have, asking the same questions that I'm asking and um, being able to just text each other throughout the day. It would be awesome. So get on, take a photo, look at the link I'll send out tomorrow. It'll be fantastic. Let's link up and encourage one another all the more as we see the day approaching. Let's not, as Kieran 
said earlier, be those people that spend only 10% of our time soaked in God's word, the thing that really gives us life. Let's, let's be that person and not be addicted to all the other things that are out there. Gerald Wilson, G-Dub, one of my heroes, went to the gym in the autumn of 2006 to work out as he waited for his wife, who was the university librarian, to finish work so they could go home together. While he was exercising, he suffered a heart attack and passed away. At his funeral, thousands of people attended, most of them like me, former students, People who fell in God's love, uh, fell in love with God's word because this man had first. The entire stadium, because that's what it took to hold all of us, um, was filled with people who were singing God's word, transformed by God's word, reciting God's word as promises to keep them through the pain that they were just experiencing. My friend Izzy was invited to speak at G-Dub's funeral, and this is what he read. From Psalm 146. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise Yahweh, my soul. I will praise the Lord all my life. I will sing praise to my God as long as I live. Do not put your trust in princes, in human beings who cannot save. When their spirit departs, they return to the ground, and on that very day, their plans come to nothing. Blessed are those whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in Yahweh their God. He is the maker of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. He remains faithful forever. Yahweh reigns forever. Your God, O Zion, for all generations. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. This is our God, and this is his word. The last word that's going to be spoken. If we are implanted in him. So the question is, do you know him? And do you know this? Let me pray. Father, we want to thank you for your truth in your word that helps us to know who you are and what you're like. It helps us to know who we are and what we are like. And God, through your word, there's so many truths and promises and things to convict us and spur us on. And as Psalm 1 as we read Psalm 1, that when we are, find ourselves planted in your word, God, we will prosper. We will find ourselves overwhelmed by peace and joy, even when there seems to be none. And despite all the messages that are out there that come our way through TV or internet or billboards or whatever it may be that promise us life, we know that ultimately those things don't know us. They're hollow. They're shadows. But your word is truth. And in you is life. We want to be a people that are people of the light. People who find ourselves in you like a tree that's planted by streams of water. So may we be challenged to find ourselves more in your word than we are anywhere else. We thank you for these incredible promises in Jesus' name. Amen.